Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. And if you find this podcast helpful in your theological rehabilitation, consider partnering with us in its production. Become a financial sponsor of That's What She Said on Patreon, a platform for supporting content you love. Thanks! For our worship series, It Would Have Been Enough, we've been reading the narrative of our ancestors' liberation in the book of Exodus. We began in the middle of the story in in Exodus 14 with the Israelites' passage through the Red Sea on dry ground and their Egyptian pursuers' death by drowning in that same sea. In tonight's reading, the very recently rescued Israelites stop on the safe side of the sea, no longer enslaved, no longer chased by their enslavers. And while they rest and recover from all that running, they find their breath for singing. Then Jesus, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for the Lord has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might and has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise God. My Father is God, and I will exalt the Lord. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is God's name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army God has cast into the sea. Pharaoh's chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew your adversaries. You sent out your fury. It consumed them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in splendor, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your steadfast love, you led the people whom you redeemed. You guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples heard, they trembled. Pangs seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. Trembling seized the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan melted away. Terror and dread fell upon them. By the might of your arm, they became still as a stone until your people, O Lord, passed by, until the people whom you acquired passed by. 
You brought them in and planted them on the mountain of your own possession, the place, O Lord, that you made your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing, and and Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for the Lord has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider, God has thrown into the sea. Hi, church. Um, so I know this is going to be kind of weird, but um, my name is Steph. I'm the worship architect and tactical officer here at Galileo Church. Um, if you don't know me, that's who I am. Um, Katie has asked me to say um, a few words about, uh, to kind of contextualize this service and um, just kind of talk about why we decided to sing our way through this service tonight in response to that Exodus text. So I'm going to do that and not to be an evangelical, but I'm going to hold the microphone like a safety blanket because that's what I need. So if y'all are okay with that, we'll get into it. In Exodus 15, we find our Israelite ancestors standing on the edge of the Red Sea. They've just survived an escape from enslavement, an escape from seemingly insurmountable odds against a pursuing army that would have them back in Egypt, oppressed, erased, and miserable under the heavy yoke of enslavement. But as we've heard over these last several weeks, God had another plan for God's people. They're standing exhausted on the edge of the Red Sea, staring back into the wine-dark waters of the past and breathing in the hot, salty air of a future in newly found freedom. So they stop and they rest and they eat and drink a little something, maybe dissociate a little in disbelief, yeah? After realizing that everyone is here and okay and safe due to the bodily pat-down of someone who nearly avoids death and can't believe they're somehow still in one piece, Just checking, there's no limbs missing, right? Or maybe that's just what you and I would do. Either way, they're done, they are well, and they are free. So when a steady hum starts to rise into a song from the weary camp, it just seems right. It's easy to join. A song? Yeah, of course. But really, why is it that singing feels like such an instinct? Why do we sing when we grieve, when we celebrate? when we're afraid, when it's hard, when we're in love, even when we hate. It's hard to explain all the ways in which music seems to creep into our collective psyche when emotions get high, but there are some things that I feel like I do know with some certainty. We sing when words aren't enough, like when you're just so sad or full of grief or angry or even happy, and words just give a little too much clarity or feel totally empty like you're not quite ready yet to give an explanation to these emotions because words can't quite hold it all yet. Or you're not ready to dump what might feel like meaningless chatter into the bucket of how I'm feeling today. You just want to feel it out. Let that cathartic release of tension or joy or sorrow out into the world for everyone or no one to hear. Maybe you've heard the saying from Dr. Brene Brown, we're emotional beings that sometimes feel not the other way around, yeah? 
Maybe that's why sometimes we need something that transcends language to get us into feeling what we can't explain just yet. And we sing also because singing is beautiful. Beauty for our God who is beautiful, if you will. A musical brushstroke added to the abstract, chaotic, somehow still organized, artistic aesthetic of God's creation. Singing is an expression of self that is beautiful because it comes from us, from our bodies, the blood and vessels and larynx and guts, all created in the image of God. Because it is an expression of us and all that is also like us, and it just fits. Our song finds itself in the music of creation alongside the hum of the cicadas and the hot August wind rustling through dry leaves and heavenly bodies like quasars and pulsars and black holes that we can literally hear even when we can't see them. It's as if the whole universe is singing and it has been since the beginning of it all. And when we join our voices to that chorus, we're engaging our God who is beautiful on those terms. And it just makes sense, because it was designed to. And maybe sometimes, most of the time, we can only bring ourselves to hum the melody, or tap our toes, or nod our head along to the beat. But music, especially singing, has a way of linking us to each other, like a balm of connection spread over the wounds of individual pain. When we sing, or hum, or nod with each other, Maybe it's the keeping of time. Maybe it's the activation of the parasympathetic nervous system by way of our vagus nerve connected to our larynx. Yeah. My wife, who's a psychologist, assured me that I said all of that right. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's just being together. Admittedly, being who I am, I'd like to believe that it's beyond that. It's something so deeply ingrained in our humanity that it's actually instinctive to join each other in song an evolutionary or divinely created mechanism to bring us together in any circumstance, an inexplicably transcendent vehicle for everything we could possibly feel. Growing up, my grandparents invited all their friends over every Friday night. You'd bring your guitar or harmonica or your voice, if it was all you had, and you'd just sing. Someone would call out a song and another and another, until it was 1 or 2 a.m., and everyone would politely leave, even if they still wanted to keep going, we would sing through it all. Every week, it was like a church service in the living room of my Nana and Papa's tiny home. Everyone was invited, and anyone could pick a song. And things happened in that living room. We sang songs that made us laugh and clap, like when I got into college, or our neighbor finally found their lost dog. We sang happy trails to friends who were moving away. We grieved together in song when my uncle, their son, died. And it felt like there would never be words big enough to fill that void. And every time after that, when we wanted to remember him, we sang. All the neighbors and extended family and my family stomped and strummed and sang our way through every life event imaginable. And we still do it to this day. I'd like to imagine that our ancestors in faith, the Israelites, standing on the edge of the Red Sea, are engaging in a similar act of connection. They go to song because it's what they know how to do. It's what has preserved them and their identity as God's people, and it connects them to the world around them, and their creator, and their ancestors, and each other. And it just makes sense 
they're finally free, and they sing. And so tonight, at this point in the story, we join them and raise our voices in song alongside the newly freed Israelites, because it just wouldn't be right not to. Hi, I'm Allison, she, her. For this worship series, it would have been enough. We are borrowing a pattern of storytelling that is closely related to the Exodus story. It's called Dayanu, which is a Hebrew phrase that means it would have been sufficient, implying that something more, something extra follows that phrase. Dayanu is a cheerful song sung by Jewish families at their Passover meals. It tells the stories of God's liberation of our ancestors as a series of escalating gifts from God. We're learning to tell our own stories in this Dayanu pattern so we can experience the escalating gratitude that it provokes. Today, it's my turn. If God had only granted my son Spencer's first mother a healthy pregnancy and birth, it would have been enough. Dayanu. But then, when she was overwhelmed with trauma, God gave her the courage and bravery to do what was the best choice for her and her baby. And so, like Moses' mama, she wrapped her baby up in prayers and hopes and with faith and love bigger than I could ever have. She set him off in this world, trusting that God would catch him and her and keep them both safe and loved. If God had only led her to leave him wrapped in those prayers in love at the hospital where phenomenal nurses would find him and care for him, it would have been enough, Dianu. But then three days later, God led them to call me to see if I not only wanted to foster him, but if I would like to be his mom, if we would like to be family. If God had only made us family and brought this incredible kid into my life, it would have been enough, Dianu. But then God heard my cries and fears of if I was really the right choice, if I was good enough, if I had enough to give this beloved child the world of love and care that he deserved and that his first mama prayed for him. God heard my worries that there was no way I could do this as a single mom on a pastor's salary and a pastor's schedule, and God sent the proverbial village, the body of Christ, made real to my door. If God had led my family and friends to show up for me and my son to show us we were not alone, it would have been enough, Dianu. But God led them to go above and beyond God led my mom to become foster certified, so if anything happened to me, they could care for him. God led my dad to become my son's favorite person and gave my son grandparents that love him and show up for him in ways sweeter and better than I ever could have imagined. God led our friends and families and neighbors to literally show up at our door with every single baby thing that Target sells and with love and hugs that first day. And five years later, they keep showing up. If God had answered my son's first mama's and my prayers to keep this sweet boy safe and loved 
and having what he needs, it would have been more than enough. Diane knew. But God's gone above and beyond and created him to be kind and funny and wild and smart and generous and brave and compassionate and a sweeter gift to me and to this world than I ever would have been brave enough to pray for. Thanks be to God. Hey, Galileo. I'm Glenn Pemberton, a co-conspirator who lives here in Mansfield. And this is my Dainu. It would have been enough. It would have been enough for God at the end of a very hot and dry summer, the year 2000. And specifically on the day of September 19th, 2000, another hot, dry, very windy day. It would have been enough for God to have gotten me out safely by the cry of my daughter's friend at the front door, fire, so that I could get out of the house in time. It would have been enough. Dainu, if God had only sent an army of neighbors coming from every direction, some fighting the fire in the front yard, trying to keep it from reaching the house, others shepherding my daughter into their home for safety, others who would hold me up, literally, as the fire came and the professional firefighters ran into the flames to put the house fire out and to save the structure, though most of the contents, almost all of the contents, would be totaled. It would have been enough. And it certainly would have been enough that evening for God to have mobilized a second group of friends who arrived, some who called some who had to hike through the neighborhood a half mile, three quarters of a mile, because literally all throughout the neighborhood, it was like a battle zone against the wildfire. One neighbor tossed keys to us that night, giving us a house for a few days. Another friend came in with a video camera who videoed everything in the house before it was packed out. It just so happened that day that God had sent our insurance agent to a seminar on what to do when a client loses a fire. And he sent an army of people to pack out everything in the house that might be saved. And it certainly would have been enough for God to have sent my very best friend at the time to bring a birthday cake and birthday presents to my daughter who was turning 13 that day and whose presents and cake 
were inside the house and ruined. So that that night at about midnight, we were able to sing happy birthday and give my daughter some presents. It would have been enough for God to have provided all of that. And then the next morning, there was yet another wave of friends and members of local churches who just began to show up, not waiting for us to call, knowing what we would need, but coming to help us. Two women took my children and just took them away to go shopping for clothes because they didn't have anything except what was on their back. An insurance agent and my real estate agent God sent together at the same time to arrive there at that house next door so that they could meet in the corner to discuss coverages and my real estate agent could go out that day and find the place where we could live for the next nine months. Oh, it certainly, it certainly would have been enough. And it would have been enough a week later when local churches got together and threw birthday parties, belated birthday parties for both of my children, giving them the things that they had lost in the fire and more, and giving us a housewarming party for all the things that we would need to use in the coming months as we waited for our house to be torn down and rebuilt. It would have been enough. It would have been enough for God to have done all of these things, but God also brought a very close colleague, Joe, into my life. Joe had gone through a house fire two or three years earlier, and he knew what needed to be done. He took us under his wing and shepherded us through all of the process, all of the steps, including the students, my students, who wanted to help, and so as a result, Joe organized them room by room in our home with all of the smell of smoke, gave them the blank tablets on which insurance required a line-by-line -line inventory of what was lost, and put them to work, inventorying every piece of trash that was still in the house a thumbtack, a pencil, a pen, whatever it may be. Pages upon pages of inventory that we didn't have to write. It would have been enough for God to have done all of these things. But God sent another couple. The day after the fire, we saw them for the first time when they came to our house and walked into the burnt-out shell and came back out in tears. Very different from others. We learned later that this particular couple had their own house fire just a few months before. And so when Christmas time rolled around,
Man, we didn't have a Christmas tree. We didn't have any ornaments. We received a gift from this couple, a gift from God of a single ornament, a fire truck, a red fire truck Christmas tree ornament to remind us of the day and the weeks and the months when it would have been enough for God to have stopped at any given time. Thanks be to God. Diane. Hi, church. Hi. I'm Dr. Kate Horde. My pronouns are she, her. <laughs> and I will be sharing the last Dianu for tonight. And I'm holding it up, as Steph said, so you can hear me in the microphone. Looking at you inside out. I'm thinking about you. All right. It would have been enough for me to find any old church and go through the same church emotions. Y'all know them. You're kind of doing them now. You show up on a Sunday, you attend service, you go to Sunday school, participate in the small group during the week, you bring a dish to the potluck. But I found Galileo, Diane knew. And it would have been enough for me to go to a church, to be queer at a church, to be me at a church. But the God of the universe is kind of annoying they are. And they thought that maybe a church body like Galileo, a person like Katie, and a person like Steph is annoyingly exactly what this, at the time, atheist needed. Diane knew. And it would have been enough for me to find my faith here, lose my faith here, find my faith here again. But I also found my wife here, and I found, yeah, snaps for me, yeah, yeah. And I found friends here, and I found chosen family here. I found you here, and you there, Diane knew. And it would have been enough to find friends here, to find my chosen family here, and oh my God, would it have been enough to find my wife here. But I found myself here. Over and over, I find myself here. Who I am, what I believe in, what I don't believe in. And I'm still finding myself here with you and because of you, Diane. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. If what you've heard is helpful, consider becoming a patron of its production by joining our subscribers on Patreon. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and support the people who love them. We do kindness around mental health and mental illness, and we celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. 
To support our missional priorities, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Share With Us. You'll have options to contribute through Venmo, PayPal, or your bank account. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.